God, we love you, and we are, uh, again, God, I, I think I say this too much sometimes, but we're thankful for you. I don't know if I can say that enough. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for everything that you've blessed us with, everything that you've given us, God, especially this year as we have, we've gone through almost a complete year here, God, and I just, uh, we just give you glory. We give you praise. God, I pray, as I do every week, that you would speak through me. God, that the words that are coming out of my mouth wouldn't just be, be my words, that they would be your words for your people, God. No one, no one here came to see me. They all, we all want to see you. We all want to hear from you, God. And I just pray that, that you would use me again. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Does anybody love a good story? <clears throat> I love a good story. I, I, I love to, <clears throat> excuse me, I love to hear stories. I love to tell stories. Uh, sometimes I'm not the, the greatest conversationalist, but uh, I love to tell stories. I love to hear stories. I, I just love stories, and, uh, and, and I, 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 it's always a good time when you get together and start telling stories, right? Do you remember the time when this happened, right? Do you remember the time where this person said this and then this happened? It's just, it just brings joy to people when you come and you bring stories and you, and you just tell stories together. And we all have some great stories, Stories of, of, man, I was going through this, this and then I, I, I persevered. I had a goal and I achieved it. Right? I had a problem, I overcame it. I, had, I made the right decision here. Or, or maybe it's even a story some of these times, and some of these stories are fun too, is, man, this decision that I made was so dumb. Right? You'll never guess what I did. This was the dumbest decision I ever made. Those are some of the best stories, right? Uh, you know, the stories of, of how people almost get arrested in Mexico and just random things like that. You know, like that. When a story starts with, I almost got arrested in Mexico, it's never a bad story, right? Uh, and so I, I love stories. I love to hear stories. And we all have stories that we love to tell because our lives are full of them. Our lives are full of stories that we love to tell, that, that we love to smile about, and that just bring us joy even just to think about. Some of you are thinking about stories that you could tell right now. I can tell by the smiles on your faces. Unfortunately, we all have the other side as well. We all have, have stories in our lives and, and maybe even chapters in our lives that we, that we don't want to tell, that, that, we, that we feel like that, that it just kind of reflect poorly on us, and we just don't want to tell. We, we would rather not anybody know what happened. We'd like to just leave them out and basically just cut them out of our lives. But what's interesting about stories and what's interesting about our lives is that along the way, there were some small decisions that were made that had significant impact in our lives. Right, you can look back and you can think about these decisions that, that may not have been, you may not have seen that as such a big deal, right? But you look back and that's the point where things change in your life. If that decision hadn't been made, right, we go back and sometimes we play this game with ourselves. What if? Right, what if this hadn't happened? What if that hadn't happened? I, I, sometimes I think about what, it, what would have happened if my family had never moved from Arizona to Bakersfield, California. I, I wonder about the repercussions of of, you know, would my, would my parents still be together? Would, would all this kind of stuff happen? But we, sometimes we get stuck in this what-if game, and it just wrecks our lives. But, but here's the thing that I want us to just see, that the small decisions in life sometimes have the most significant impact in our lives. You know, New Year's, there's a, there's a tradition, a New Year's tradition, right? We make New Year's resolutions, right? 
Anybody make a New Year's resolution for this year? Couple? All right. Anybody keep their New Year's resolution from last year? No? <laughs> I, I, you know, there, sometimes these New Year's resolutions can be, can be great. You know, they're not always spiritual in nature. Oftentimes they're not spiritual in nature. Like, I'm, I'm, I want to give up soda this year or something like that. You know, we, we do something that's just for our physical health or for, for something else. And uh, they're not always spiritual things. But, but I just, I, I wanted to start this year, since it's New Year's Eve, what, what better thing to do than just to, to, maybe, to maybe look together at some decisions that we could make. Maybe some small decisions that we could make that would affect the story that we tell in the future. Because here's the thing, the decisions that we've made in the past affect the story that we're telling today. I think we can all, we can all say that's true, right? The decisions that I made in my past affect my story today. They affect the way that I live. They affect the way that, that my life looks today because of the decisions that I've made in the past. And if that is true, which I think all of us can say is true, then we know this is also true, that the decisions we make today affect the story that we tell in the future. They affect the way our lives will look in the future. And so what are some of these decisions that we can make today that will affect the story that we tell in the future. And if you look at it in Scripture, I think we can say it this way. What are some decisions that we can make today to make our story look more like what God has in mind for our lives? I want to look at at four different stories in Scripture today. And I want to look at four different decisions that we can make this New Year's. We can kind of uh, choose to make a New Year's resolution, if you will, together this morning. And here's the, the first decision that we, can, that we can make. We can choose to start something new. Start something new. Start a new discipline, right? If you look at me, uh, turn, turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6 is uh, the story of Daniel in the lion's den, uh, and uh, some of you know this story, some of you don't know this story. There's these, uh, this king, and uh, his advisors tell this king, uh, they tell this king to, to make a law that if anybody worships anybody but the king, they're to be thrown into the lion's den. And uh, Daniel is, is another one of the king's advisors who, who these other advisors are trying to overthrow. And, and Daniel does something. And I want to just read Daniel's Daniel's reaction here. Actually, let's start at verse 6. Daniel 6, verse 6. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. I want you to see that line here. Just as he 
had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? Long story short, the king has to throw Daniel into the lion's den. He can't repeal this law even though he really likes Daniel. So Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. And the king is just, just sweating bullets all night, right? Just thinking, I, I think I just killed one of my best advisors. And so he wakes up in the morning and, and opens the lid and, and he calls down into the lion's den, Daniel, are you there? And Daniel answers in verse 21, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shuts the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I, have, I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. And, and we see here that, that God blesses Daniel for, for doing something that he had, as the scripture says, that he had done before. Right? Just as he had done before. I want you to think about this. Who knows how long Daniel has been doing this? Daniel has made a decision at some point in his life, maybe weeks, months, years before this incident. He made this decision that he was going to pray three times a day, that he was going to, to give himself to God three times a day to, to worship God, to pray to God, to seek God's will for his life. And God blesses this in Daniel. God, God, God blesses this in Daniel, and actually God proves himself through Daniel. Daniel. God begins to tell his story through Daniel's story, and, and, and the king's reaction here, may you prosper greatly. And then he says, I issue a decree that in every part, I'm in verse 26, every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is a living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Here's what happens. Daniel made a decision at one point in his life to start a discipline, to start praying three times a day. And what ends up happening is that the king, who, who isn't a believer in the same God of Daniel, ends up being able to say these words, He is the living God, and He endures forever. Now this is the part where Daniel's story is much bigger than Daniel's story. Daniel's story begins to look a whole lot like God's story because he gives himself over to God. He made a decision to pray and to seek God's will three times a day, every day. He made a decision to start at some point. Maybe this new year you need to make a decision to start a new discipline. Pastor Chris, I don't, I don't know where to... I don't know where to start. What should I start? What are some disciplines that you, would, that you want me to start? I don't, I don't understand. Well, here's, here's three disciplines straight from the mouth of Jesus. If you turn to Matthew chapter 6 with me, this is one of my favorite, favorite parts of Scripture here. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus actually gives us some of the disciplines that he expects uh, from, his, from his followers. Chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Here's what he says. So when you give to the needy, when you give, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues on the streets, 
to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, I want you to hear the words of Jesus here. Jesus does not say, if you give. If you give, give in secret. This is not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is expecting this of the people that follow him when you give. When you give. Maybe the discipline you need to start this year is is giving. Whether that be, uh, you know, I've I've never tithed before. I'm going to start tithing this year. I've never given above my tithe. I've never given offerings to anybody. I've never, I've never given, I've never helped the needy. This is specifically talking about giving to the needy, right? I've never, I've never done that. So maybe this year you start this discipline. You know, sometimes, and I'll just say this for, for all of these things that we're starting, sometimes we just say, you know, you just got to start slow, right? I, my, my goal is to just read. I'm going to read a little bit every day this year. I'm just going to, I'm going to read. I'm going to start with maybe like one paragraph, and then I'll, I'll be good, and then I'll, maybe I'll build up from there. We, we, we talk about this in a lot of things. We start to, to, to start slow. I, I disagree. <laughs> Just jump in. Jump in. When you give, just jump in. When, if, if your thing is to read your Bible, jump in. Don't, don't limit yourself. Just jump in. When you're done, you're done. But just jump in and read. But here's, this is one of the disciplines you can do is giving, right? And, and you hear stories all the time about people who, 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 who have dis- made this decision from a long time ago even, or even a short time ago. I'm, gonna, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give the first 10% of everything that I get. Everything that I get I'm going to give it to God. And inevitably, there's a story in someone's life where, where they had a month or they had a two months or they had a, a season in their life where the money just wasn't there. You look on paper and the money should not have been there, but somehow God provided because they were faithful in a decision that they made a long time ago to give their, their first fruits to God. Amen. Maybe you need to make a decision to give. Jesus goes on here. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room... <coughs> close the door and pray to your father who is unseen then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you and when you pray don't keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him this then is how you should pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is another one here. Jesus doesn't say, if you pray. If you pray, go into your closet, do it in secret. No, no, no. When you pray. Prayer should be a discipline of a follower of Christ. Maybe this year you need to just start this discipline of praying. And I'm not talking about just, just praying over meals or 
I'm talking about really, really praying, dedicating some time to just talk and communicate with God. Because part of prayer is also just, just sitting and listening. Sometimes we think of prayer and we just think about all the words that we should say. And we, we think about all the, all the churchy words that we're supposed to say when we pray. And we make sure we get all of those in and then we're done, right? And, and uh, that's, not, that's not prayer. Prayer is going to God and just, just talking and dialoguing with God. It's, it's part of any, any good relationship is going to have communication. Prayer is the way in which we communicate with our God. And how awesome is this that our God, the God who created everything, the God who made you and me, who knows the amount of hairs or or not hairs on your head, not not only lets you pray, not only lets you speak to Him, but desires that you would. Desires this relationship with you. He wants to hear from you, and he wants to be able to speak to you. So, so when you pray, maybe this year you need to start this discipline of prayer. And I would just say this, if you're starting this discipline of prayer, I, just, just a couple guidelines. Be specific in your prayers. Don't just pray for, for big ideas of things. Be specific with God. I remember in, in our church in Phoenix that I was at when I, when I was first in the church, I, I remember this guy, on, it was a, we did like a worship night on a Sunday night, and this guy got up and he said, I just want to praise God. He answered this very specific prayer in my life. And I just remember, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember thinking, that is a very, very specific prayer that this man asked for. And for God to give this very, very specific answer to him was just mind-blowing to me, right? Because up until then, I just thought, you know, you just, you just pray. You, you pray for, for whatever's on your mind, you pray for this, you pray for that, and you pray for kind of these big idea things. But this, this man challenged me in that. He said, he just, I want to pray for something very specific, and God is going to give me an answer to this very specific thing in a very specific way. And, and I just want to, I want to challenge you, pray very specific prayers, but here's the other thing. Pray very big prayers. Pray bold prayers. Right, there's a quote you might have heard me say before. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Right, God, God wants you to pray for big things, for, for things that if he, for things that, here, here's the thing. Sometimes we pray for things and, and it ends up being like, I, I pray that uh, this person gets over a cold. Or I pray that, that I get this parking spot, right? And and all this kind of stuff, and, and that person inevitably gets over the cold, right? Because we're in 2017 and colds don't kill people anymore. Now, did God answer that prayer, or did that person just get over a cold? Or did, that, did, that, did God give you that parking spot, or that, was it, did that parking spot, was that just there? But when you pray these big prayers, and God answers big prayers, there's no other way to look at that than then man, look at the power of my God. Look at what God can do. Look at what God has done in our lives. Pray big prayers. Pray bold prayers. And pray for each other. Pray for other people. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. The power of prayer is a very real thing. You cannot look back at just the last 12 months of this church's life and not think that and not believe that. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers 
honor God. So you're going you're gonna to start to give, start to pray. And here's the last thing Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, fasting is probably one of the most misunderstood, underused disciplines for Christians today. Because we, we look at this and we think that's just kind of for the monks and in the woods somewhere, like they're gonna they're gonna fast a lot. That's not it's not for everybody. Right? This isn't this isn't something that everybody's supposed to do. This is just for for those special people out in the woods that are just trying to get away and be with God. They they can fast, but that's not for for like the normal people, right? Jesus isn't he doesn't say that in here. He says when you fast, when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast. Now fasting can be one of the one of the greatest experiences is in seeking God. Maybe this year you need to start to make a decision to start to fast. Maybe it's just a one-day fast. Maybe it's a three-day fast or a seven-day fast or whatever you're going to get into. But start fasting. I tell you what. When I have fasted in my life, there has not been one time that I have not come away just blessed by God and not come away with some sort of, a, some sort of a, a, a way forward from God. I challenge you to fast. If you, if you, and if fasting is what you want to choose, if fasting is what you want to start, and then come talk to me. I would love to, to kind of dig deeper with you on what fasting is and, and the, what, the, just what it all entails. I would love to talk to you about fasting, but maybe fasting is what... Well, you need to start. So we're going to start. That's decision number one. Now, you don't have to make all four of these decisions. I, I, I want you to just kind of pick one this year. Start. So you can start. That's decision number one. Decision number two, we're going to stop. Stop doing something that is hindering the story of God being told through your life. Now, all of us have things in our lives that we might not see it, we might not just necessarily say it on the, on the front of it, but all of us have something in our life that is hindering the story that God wants to tell in and through you. Now, what is that? What is that one thing? Now, there's a quote that I heard. Direction, not intention, determines destination. Direction, not intention, determines destination. There's a story in the book of Exodus, if you want to turn to Exodus with me. A story about Moses in Exodus chapter 18. <clears throat> Moses has, has led the people out of Egypt, and they're kind of establishing this community in, in Exodus chapter 18. <clears throat> and, Exodus ha- and Moses has this encounter with his, with his father-in-law, Jethro. And, and here's what it is. In Exodus chapter 18, we'll start at uh, verse 7. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. 
Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hands of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. <coughs> and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve <coughs> excuse me, as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning until evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to, see, come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can determine, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Now I want you to, to just look at Moses. Moses had, had every good intention in the world. Right, Moses' intentions, Moses' desires were, were very good. In fact, they were, they were probably God-honoring intentions. But there was so much to do that he wasn't able to, to fully do what God had for him. And Jethro, his father-in-law, out of his wisdom, just said, this is not good. You need to stop this. And so maybe, maybe, I say that to say, maybe there's something in your life that, that even is a good thing. Your intentions with it are very good. But it's hindering you in some way from telling the story that God wants you to tell and telling the story in and through your life to other people. Maybe something you need to stop is not a good thing. Maybe you've got a habit or an addiction that you've been going through and then you just need to, to give it to God and stop. Make a decision to, to stop. Here's the third decision. We can start. We can stop. We can stay. We can stay when it would be easier to go. Stay when it would be easier to go. So often, we quit on things because they're hard. Or we quit on things because we just feel like, this just isn't for me anymore. I just, I'm done with this. I'm over this. This isn't what God has for me. I, I, and we, we think this, right? This isn't what God has for me. But sometimes God asks us to stay even though it would be easier to go. There's a story in the Bible that uh, there's no better example of this than, in the Bible than Ruth. 
If you turn to the book of Ruth with me. Ruth is a, is a daughter-in-law of a woman named Naomi. And Naomi loses her husband. And then a few years later loses both of her sons who are married to both of her daughter-in-laws, obviously. And in those days, the, the sons and the husbands were supposed to take care of the mother if the husband died. And so this, this woman had no, no more males in her life to take care of her or her two daughter-in-laws. And so in chapter 1 of Ruth, Naomi looks at her two daughter-in-laws and she says, listen, you guys, you guys just need to go. And I can imagine this conversation with, with Ruth and these two daughters. It's not that I don't love you. It's not that I don't want you here. I just can't take care of you. And so, so go. And the first daughter, first daughter leaves. <coughs> Verse 14 in chapter 1. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Wherever you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. There where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, even if, if be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Now, if there was an easier situation for someone to say, I'm out, it would be Ruth in this instance. Her mother-in-law is giving her a way out of this. Right? Her mother-in-law is saying, just go. You're, go to your people. They will take care of you. You can find another husband. Go, just go. I, I can't do this anymore. And then Ruth, in that instance, says, I'm staying. I'm going to stay. And God begins to tell this, this beautiful story with Ruth and Naomi and, and Boaz. And, and at the end of the book, in chapter 4, I just, I love this. In chapter, in, in chapter 4, <coughs> verse 16, Ruth has a kid. And in verse 16, then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Not only does, does, does Ruth give Naomi a son, another male in the family that can, that can provide, that can take care, but look at this lineage. It's in the line of, of David, which is in the line of Jesus. I mean, think about this decision that Ruth made. Ruth made a decision to stay when it would have been much more easy to go. Maybe this year you're, you're frustrated with life, where it's at. And you're feeling like, man, I, I just need to go. I need to do something different. I need to go. It would be so easy just to go. Maybe God is calling you just to, to stay this year. To say, God, I trust you. God, you have me here for a reason. God, I, I, I want to be able to tell the story that you want to tell through my life, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay. I'm going to stay. You can start. You can stop. You can stay. Last decision is to go. Go. 
make a decision this year to go, make a commitment this year to go when it would be easier to stay, especially. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. There's a story of, uh, of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. <clears throat> I'm just going to read just the, the first three verses of this, just, and then we'll, we'll talk, and then we'll go back to this. The Lord God, the Lord had said to Abram, he wasn't Abraham yet, the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and I will make you, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, I want you to just see this in Abraham, in Abram at this point. God just says, go. Go. Go from your country your people, your father's household to the land that I will show you. Doesn't even give Abram a destination. Just, I'll show you where you're going. But leave everything. Leave your country. Leave your family. Leave everything that you're comfortable with. Leave, leave it all. And go to a place that I'm going to show you. It's calling Abraham to go. And if there's any instance in, where it would have been so much easier to stay, it's Abram. I'm going to stay in my country. I'm going to stay with my family. I'm going to stay where I'm comfortable because I'm going to stay with what's known because I know it and I'm here. But God is calling me to go away from all of this stuff and to leave to just, just to a place where he's going to show me later. All right, sometimes God, I can tell you this, God, in order to tell the story that God wants to tell in and through your life, I guarantee you at some point in your life, you're going to have to step out in faith Maybe away from something that's comfortable, away from something that's known, away from something that, that, that you just want to be, right? And into the unknown, into, into something that, that may look dangerous and uncomfortable. And God is calling you and he's just saying, go this way. Sometimes to tell the story that God wants to tell, we have to step away from our security. I heard a quote once, to get to achieve your destiny, you have to leave your security. I think that is so true in our faith. To, to, to achieve what God wants us to have once in our lives, we have to step away from where we are. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, to go somewhere else, you have to leave where you are. <laughs> to go somewhere else, you have to leave where you are. And I look at Abram, and I, and I just think, man, this is just This is crazy. But then I look at what happens next in verse 4. And the next words, these, these three words. So Abram went. It doesn't say he hesitated. It doesn't say he thought about it. It doesn't say he went and talked to his parents about it and just to see what they would think. It doesn't say he went and talked to this, this counselor or this, this person over here, this, this, the smartest guy in the city, and just to go and talk to him and see what he would think and... God says go. So Abram went. God says go. So Abram went. What is God calling you to this year? Where is God calling you to go? Maybe it's not to stay in this super comfortable spot over here where you know everything and you know everyone and, and you're just really happy. But God is calling you to something new. 
something bigger. He's calling you to, to follow him into the unknown, into the uncomfortable. And maybe this year you just need to make a decision to go. Start, stop, stay, go. What will you choose? I, I love New Year's. And I love the, I, I just love fresh starts, I think is what it is. And we have a God of fresh starts. And I think it's easy for us to, to sit and to make kind of these, these New Year's resolutions that are just kind of nothings, and no one really cares. It's a little harder to, to sit here at the end of one year, looking towards the next year, looking towards 2018, and just saying, this year, God, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to start in discipline this year. God, I want to I wanna pray, and I want to learn how to pray. God, I'm going to start giving. I'm going to, I'm going to fast every month, every other month. I'm just going to, I'm going to fast it. God, I'm going, to, I'm going to stop doing the thing that I know is wrong. I'm going to stop this aspect of my life. I'm going to stop doing this. I know it doesn't honor you. I want to honor you with my life, God, and so I'm going to stop. God, I'm going to stay. God, even though I, I want to leave with every fiber of my being because this is so hard, I'm going to stay. God, I'm going to go. God, I know you're calling me to go. I know you're calling me to leave what's comfortable and leave the known into the unknown, but I'm going to go. That's a much harder New Year's resolution. But here's the thing. We have a God who is going with you. We have a God who wants you to succeed in honoring him. And so when we make these, these decisions to honor God, when we make these decisions to follow God, God honors those things. But here's, here's really where it all lies. This year, if you, if you do nothing else, I just, I want you to do this. Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders Let's stop, if you will. And, let, and the sin that so easily entangles, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And here's, here's what I want you to get. And if you make no other commitments in 2018, I want you to make this commitment. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. If you, if you make no other commitment this year, make that commitment. I'm going to start, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stay, I'm going to go, but every single thing that I choose to do, I'm going to be fixing my eyes on you. My goal is up there. My goal is you. My goal is not just, just here on earth. My goal is deeper and bigger and wider and, and greater because my goal is you, God. Man, could you imagine if all of us achieved that goal of just growing closer to God and being closer to God and, and being more like God, and allowing God to tell his story through our lives. Man, what a, what a powerful thing. So what will you choose? Start? Stop? 
Stay, go. Whatever you choose. My prayer for you is that you would fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. And that you would just surrender to him this year. Let's pray. God, we love you. And uh, God, we honor you today. We, we lift you up today. God, we praise you and we give you all the honor and all the glory, God, today. God, my prayer for, for this coming year, for 2018, which we are just hours away from. God, will we just, will we fix our eyes on you? Would we honor you in everything that we do? God, and if we decide to, to choose one of these things, to start or to stop or to stay or to go, God, would you, would you honor that? Would you be with us on this journey that we take to, to start a new discipline or to stop doing something that is not honorable to you, God? Would you, would you be with us as we stay in maybe a hard, a hard place to stay, God? Would you, would you sit there with us? Would you be there with us? Would you give us comfort and peace and joy even in the midst of circumstances, God? And if we choose to go, God, would you empower us by your Holy Spirit? God, would you go ahead of us and go with us that as we go, we go with you. God, this week, my prayer is every week that you would go ahead of us, that you'd be in our conversations, that you'd be in our our workplaces and in our homes, and that the conversations we would have would honor you, God, Our, our lives would honor you, and that we would make a difference in our community. God, we love you, and we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? And just receive this blessing this morning. May the God of, of love and joy and hope and peace, may this same Christ that we celebrated at Christmas go ahead of you into this new year. And may this, this new year be the beginning of a, of a new journey with Christ for you. As you go, may you make a difference in your community for him. May you spread the love of Christ wherever you go, and everyone that you touch, may they see him and feel him. Go in peace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.